Hey folks, welcome back to the Culture Jack podcast. I'm Dustin, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Invincible, episode number two, titled Here Goes Nothing. Now this is um, got a runtime of about 45 minutes, just like the other one. Uh, but before I get into this episode, uh, we do have some other shows on the Culture Jack podcast. If you haven't listened to our other shows, Start off on Sunday with the Weekend Wire. Now, that is a full recap of news that happened the previous week with Anthony. Then Anthony turns around and talks about, you know, whatever's been nagging him at the back of his head. What, whatever thing that he has that's piqued his specific interest in for the Monday Madness. Then on Thursday, we have the Culture Jack News Desk with our, our starling news anchor, Archimedes Abigail. And on Friday, we've got the Friday show. Then on Saturday, usually, we have on today's episode. Now, this one, uh, Anthony and myself, we go back and forth with hosting duties on this one. And during uh, this show, we, we dive into a recap and discussion episode on a popular show that we are watching, or in this case, have watched. Uh, <laughs> this is the lead up to to Loki that comes out here in a few weeks. So we're doing the Invincible episodes, and Invincible has concluded. Just a couple weeks ago was their their eighth episode and the finale of season one. I've seen them all, and so what I'm going to try and do today is talk about this show in a way that is representative of this episode in particular. I'm not going to. I'm not going to try and spoil the rest of the the rest of the episode. So in case you are someone that is watching along with this show and watching along and then listening to this recap, uh, we won't we won't get too far ahead of you, but you'll be able to enjoy either way. And with that being said, there are going to be spoilers uh, in in this episode of on today's episode. Uh, So we're going to start out with the story. We're just going to kind of recap the story for you. And I think this one is going to be more of a recap than it is discussion, though I will sprinkle my particular viewpoints uh, throughout. Starting off on episode two, everyone is still reeling from the last part of episode one, the uh, after credit scene where Omni-Man, for reasons unknown, attacks fights and kills the guardians of the globe. Uh, but it doesn't start there. It starts with the same security guard, Steve, who I didn't mention in the last episode is played by John Hamm. He is on vacation with his son over in England. It looks like uh, who is, who is played by Max Burkholder, his son, Matt. They narrowly avoid getting hit by a bag of burgers. That's, that's thrown from the sky. And there's an emotional moment where uh, Matt, he says, you saved me, Dad, because he pushed him out of the way of this bag of burgers or something. Oh, that's what it was. That's what it was. It was the it was the bag that Mark had thrown from his job at the fast food joint in the first one. When he got his powers, he threw the bag right up into the sky. And this is where it came down. It eventually touched down. (laughs) That's so funny. I didn't even realize that. But Matt gets pushed out of the way by his uh, dad. He says, and his dad, or Steve says, you called me dad. So apparently they're like a um, stepfather, stepson sort of situation. 
and they they hug, they embrace. It's a nice tender moment. And again, Steve is very narrowly narrowly avoids being hurt in this one. And and you will have a hard time convincing me now that Steve is not the main character of the show. And besides that, this is a a neat kind of look at what an NPC perspective is. But then they become a character, so they're no longer like an NPC. They're no longer like an extra. And it's always it's always been such a neat thing to, to think about in movies where there's this cataclysmic destruction or this wonderful romance going on and the waiters and the people waiting at the bus stop and the people that are on the on the sidewalk and the police officers and the traffic guards and all. Everyone is someone and they're going through their own story. And so really... I guess in that way you could build a, a multiverse out of, well, frankly, anything. But then we transition back to the Guardians HQ. It's a bloody mess there. Of course, uh, there's an invisible security team. They come in and the, the technology they're wearing allows them to turn invisible. They start trying to preserve the bodies. They they hook up a, a mortal's body and head to this machine. They're spraying them down with, I guess it's some kind of preservatives to maybe make them be able to bring them back or save their lives. Omni-Man is alive. They say, oh, he's breathing. They carry him out on a stretcher. We're then introduced to the head of the organization, this unnamed organization so far, Cecil, who's played by Walter Goggins, and his right-hand man, Donald, who's played by Chris Diamantopoulos. I'm so sorry, Chris, if I got that if I got that wrong. But the Guardians, they really put Omni-Man through the, the grinder, even though they lost to him he most likely hasn't had a fight like this while he's been a superhero. Uh, Debbie Grayson, she wakes up at home, but Omni-Man is not in his bed, and she starts she starts the day. Uh, Mark and Debbie, you know, they talk about uh, Nolan not coming home, and then some agents, we assume, from this agency show up to break the news that he has been hurt and he's in the hospital. So they head to the hospital that's run by this global defense agency, and Donald, uh, he takes them to, to Omni-Man. And it's, you know, as Mark's walking through, he, he goes, wow, what's that or something? And Donald starts explaining it to him. And, and Debbie, the mom, the, the wife of Nolan Grayson, Omni-Man, she goes, hey, look, Donald, we're not here for a, for a tour. Take me, to my, take me to my husband. So she take, he takes them to Omni-Man and the title screen. So every, every time the title comes up, from this point on, there's something, something, something. What is your superhero name? What are you trying to be? And he says, oh, I'm trying to be. And then the title screen flashes and says Invincible. And if you pay attention to this title screen, there's a little bit of blood that splashes on the Invincible. And I didn't even notice, it, even after eight episodes. But if you pay attention, there is continually more and more blood splashed on that title screen. And the blood from the previous episode uh, remains. So uh, the doctors, they're talking about struggling to treat Viltrumites, which is what Omni-Man is. Cecil introduces himself to Mark and explains that the Guardians were murdered by persons unknown. Uh, presumably the same, the same person that hurt Omni-Man. So they, and they do get a report of an, of an attack. Well, Debbie stays by Omni-Man's side. Invincible goes to handle these aliens that are attacking through a, a, a portal and people are just being massacred. They're being slaughtered. Mark is, is covered in blood 
as people are being blown to bits around him. He sees an old lady who is in danger and he flies to catch her and he, he, he dives around and avoids her being shot. But when he lands, he lands in this crater and she's just got bones coming out of her arm. Her sides are opened up and she is, she is hurt very badly in, in the rescue. Mark takes this sign out of the cement. It's got a cement block stuck to the me- the pole and he throws it at the Martian emperor. Who's, who's played by uh, Jimon Honsu, uh, who is then it hits him in the face and he's scarred over his eye. So you can always tell when a character is going to become a recurring character is when they get some kind of identifying trait. And in this case, it's the scar over his eye. Uh, then another superhero shows up, Eve, who's played by Gillian Jacobs, along with Robot, played by Zachary uh, Quinto, uh, Duplicate, played by Melise, and Rexplode, played by Jason Mantazukas. And this is our introduction to the team team. And they all start fighting the aliens. You know, Mark is shell-shocked. The, the team is getting getting pushed back and all looks lost. But then the aliens all of a sudden begin to age themselves to death. And then they retreat back into the portal. So back at the, the Global Defense Agency, Invincible, he brings the old lady in. And he's like, help, help, and, and to get her medical treatment. And he doesn't feel like he can live up to the Omni-Man name. And then back at school, Mark, you know, he tells William that his dad was attacked and hurt and they can't find out who did it. And remember, this is um, William doesn't know that Mark is invincible. He doesn't know that Omni-Man is Mark's dad. And none of the characters know that Omni-Man was the one responsible for the attack. What, What a brilliant writing strategy where we as the audience know more than the characters and I was listening to an episode of Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin on Fat Man Beyond. And Mark Bernardin said this is a writing concept called the bomb under the table. So it, what it does is there's a bomb under the table that the characters don't know about. But we as the audience know about. We know that this thing is going to come to a head. We know there's going to be a dramatic conclusion. And it builds anxiety and apprehension in us, the audience, because we know that there is something that is going to happen that these characters just don't yet. And so with Omni-Man being the murderer of the guardians of the globe, we know that he is a danger before any of these other characters do. So Mark uh, sees Eve and he's like, Oh, is that Eve? And William's like, yeah, she's so popular. All the boys want to talk to her. And he goes and introduces himself and he says, Hey, thanks for the help you know, the other day. And she's like, help, what are you talking about? Oh, you're the guy in the blue suit. And he's like, yeah, my name's Invincible. And she's like, that's kind of a name. I'm Adam Eve. And that's like Atomic uh, Eve, which is cool because I didn't really get it. But her power is she can like reshape um, elements into what she wants. And so they walk away. But Amber, uh, the girl from the previous episode, sees them walk away as well. And she you know, kind of cocks an eyebrow sort of thing there. Uh, the heroes, they, they sit on the roof, uh, Adam, Eve, and Invincible, and they, you know, Invincible says, you're uh, you're my you're like my fourth favorite hero team. And they talk about hero stuff, and Mark laments, you know, his poor performance against the aliens. You know, Eve says you did pretty good for your first time, but she offers to have him come meet, meet the teen team. And then they, uh, well, she flies off. Uh, Cecil and Robot are now talking about the casualties in, in the city where the aliens attacked. And the aliens are known as the Flaxons. 
And Robot believes that the aliens through the portal, they live in a place where time goes faster and that they just died of old age. So Cecil, he's he's like, yeah, you know, got it. And he teleports back to the Guardian's lair. Um, and he says, he's, well, Donald says, you know, all the cameras had been disabled. And Cecil orders everyone out when he notices that he can see his breath on the air. It's very cold. Uh, so everyone leaves. And there's a demon in a trench coat who's huddled down on the floor examining the murder scene, looking at the blood. And his name is Damien Darkblood, played by Clancy Brown. He, he, as he's looking at this murder scene, he kind of get, kind of gets uh, these premonitions about the murder, and, and the murderer shows up as a silhouette, so he can't clearly see that it's Omni-Man. Um, back at school, Amber is impressed that Mark got beat up by Todd again, uh, but Mark leaves with Adam Eve as their superhero egos, and uh, Amber Amber looks uh, unimpressed. I don't know why I wrote that. I don't know what was going on here. <laughs> In my notes, she just, well, she consistently looks unimpressed. She's, uh, I think her character is not a very likable character, especially at first. I think they're setting her up for a good redemption arc for her character. Thank goodness this thing has been renewed for two or three seasons because a lot of these characters do need more development and Amber is at the top of that list. So, uh, even Mark. They fly around. Mark crashes through a billboard. He's not very good at flying yet still. They head to the bridge, which is the secret hideout of the teen team. And Eve turns out, you know, Amber's got nothing to worry about because Eve is dating Rex. And they're introduced to Mark. Robot explains about the Flaxians, 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 and say they want Invincible to help them in the future. And so Mark is back at the hospital explaining all this to his dad. Uh, Rex sees some radar going off. And then Mark, like, this is a lot of cuts all at once. Mark and William are back at the school. William is uh, accusing Mark of being hot on Eve. You know, Amber, after Mark leaves, she questions William uh, about Mark's dating life. And Mark William's like, no, he's totally available. You know, can I take down your number sort of thing? And so Invincible and Eve, they go off to meet Rex and the rest of the teen team. The Flaxians portal, you see, has opened back up. And this time, they're not getting old. So as they went back through the portal and went back to their own time that goes at a much faster pace than our time, they've studied up on how not to age. They've also got better technology to fight the teen team. And they've got uh, Invincible on the ropes. Uh, Eve has, uh, they shot this thing over her face. She's suffocating. But so Invincible breaks loose. And he beats the heck out of that box, the boss Flaxian, the emperor Flaxian, the one that he scarred with the face in the first, the first bout. Uh, and in that fight, his bracelet breaks. And that was what was keeping them from aging. And then the teen team, well, they begin destroying all of their bands and robot hacks into the same frequency that they're using for the bracelets. And they all start to age. And uh, so they re retreat again and escape into the portal. Invincible gets a phone call, has to leave. His dad is, he's awake at the GDC. Uh, you know, he says, thanks for keeping the planet safe, Mark. Now, you know, tell me everything. And Mark, as they're leaving the hospital, he checks on the old lady or he goes to the reception. And he's like, hey, you know, where's that old lady? And turns out she didn't make it. Omni-Man, not really seeming too concerned about the old lady, says, look, they, they don't all make it. But before they leave the hospital, you know, Mark heads out first. 
Omni-Man demands that they give him his superhero costume back. And he says, you know, it's classified. I need that costume back. Give it to me. But the Guardians are still missing on the news. Mark and Nolan, they're flying around in the air, you know, doing, doing a little more training when Cecil shows up to tell them about a space invader who's heading toward Earth. And Cecil asks Omni-Man to take care of it. And um, uh, the mom... Uh, Debbie, she she goes, no, he's not. He just got out of the hospital. And so Mark volunteers and he asks his dad, he says, how do I breathe in space? Omni-Man says, well, that's the neat thing. You don't. They just hold their breath. So Mark blasts off. He exits the stratosphere. He's attacked by this Cyclops alien who's Alan the alien played by Seth Rogen. I was, oh man, I was ecstatic when I heard his voice. And he, he says, Hey, you're early and you shaved your mustache. So apparently this is a recurring uh, person that Omni-Man has fought uh, to, to protect the earth from. And they fight. Turns out he's telepathic. That's how he can hear him and talk to him. And he says, well, that's what you call protecting your planet because he's used to fighting Omni-Man. And <laughs> Alan throws a satellite at Invincible. Invincible smashes Alan into the moon and... Invincible's like, I just want to talk. What's going on? I don't understand any of this. And he goes, are you using your timeout? And he gives him a timeout and he sits him down on some moon rocks and they, and he explains that he is there to do an evaluation. He's an evaluation officer from the Coalition of Planets. And there was a request for an audit for a planet named Urath, U-R-A-T-H. And Mark says, well, this is Earth. And so he goes, oh, man, don't tell anybody I got the wrong planet. Anyway, I'll see you later. And he takes off. So Cecil, uh, he shows up to their house and asks Omni-Man to go over what happened. Omni-Man says, look, there was a distress call from the Guardians. The lights went out. I got sucker punched, basically. And Cecil leaves and, and he says, you know what? Whoever this killer is, they think they're too clever for us. But we always get them, even though they think they're too clever at first. And then, you know, flashback to the city, the portals open up again, and back at school, Todd grabs Mark in order to give him Amber's number upon her request. But the Flaxians are back, and they're back with bigger and badder weapons. The teen team responds, Robot says that they have rendered themselves immune to our time stream. He, he also says that because of the advancement of their technology, the city is lost, and he should just get Cecil to nuke it. Which the rest of the team members respond, well, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to go fight. We're going to go fight these guys. And so they go to fight. Invincible takes on the Scarface dude who is now in like giant mech armor. And he is getting just destroyed, just smashed. The teen team is getting pushed back. And then Omni-Man shows up and he's attacked. You know, he runs through a bunch of them and then they shoot their laser guns at him and there's a big cloud of smoke. You know, did we get him? Did we get him? Did we get him? That old trope. And then, of course, the smoke clears and he's not even scathed at all. And so he pushes the invaders back, murders a bunch, bunch of them retreat. And then they open up another portal to retreat and he grabs the commander and he flies right through the portal with the commander back to their home world. Mark returns home to let his mom know that dad you know he went into one of the portals and she goes oh is that all so uh we should expect him a little late for dinner then and in that other dimension well well debbie is having this son this son <laughs> this conversation with mark uh omni man 
holding the general, tells them, You don't seem to understand. Earth isn't yours to conquer. And then he proceeds to kill the general and then run rampant, just wreck shot through their whole planet. He he tears their whole planet up. Um, And then he's, you know, later he has some scientists open him a, a portal back up to Earth. He's holding this big giant chunk of rock over him. He's grown a beard. He looks like he's a little bit older and he goes through the portal and then drops the rock. And we we assume that it lands on these on these scientists. He gets home. All tattered, he says, I, you know, I need a shower. And his family's excited to see him. They all give him a hug. But then a news reporter on the TV interrupts their hugs to report that the guardians of the globe are dead. So now this is public news. Now this is not a secret anymore that the GDC is keeping. It's not a secret that um, everyone else that is not in this Grayson family knows about. Um, and then back at the GDC, Cecil you know, he wants an extraction team and he feels cold breath in the air. And Damien Dark, Damien Dark Blood shows up and he is convinced that there was no one else there at the murder scene. And so that either Omni-Man or one of the Guardians was the person that attacked. You know, Cecil tells him that he needs to get out and he needs to not tell anyone about these suspicions or he'll quote, Send him back to hell himself. So Damien Darkblood leaves and then he tells, Cecil tells Donald to put a surveillance team on the Grayson family, quote, for their own protection. And so that's where the, and that's where the episode ends. It was a great episode, episode number two. Uh, A couple of things to add here though. So Cecil, obviously he suspects already Omni-Man like you can tell in the interaction he had with Omni-Man in the interaction he had with Damien Darkblood that he he suspects that something at least is going on with Omni-Man right now we as the audience uh, of course me being a time traveler from the future who has seen episodes uh, three through eight I know what's going on but in episode two we don't really know what Omni-Man's intentions are we know that he took out the Guardians for some reason. We know that he maybe wants Earth all to himself. I mean, you could you could take the way that he said Earth is not yours to conquer to the Flaxons as I'm protecting this place. But there was a much more and, and a very intentional. There's much more to the tone in which he said it that. You know, it makes makes you think that, well, may, maybe Omni-Man's intentions aren't pure. Well, obviously they're not not pure because he murdered the Guardians of the Globe. Unless they were up to something maybe a little bit suspicious. Mark is, he's still making his way as a superhero. He's still trying to figure this thing out. And he just, he feels like he's failing over and over again as a new superhero. Now... There's one thing that that it doesn't. Should I say this? Yeah, I'll say it. So maybe spoilers for season two and season three. I don't know. But there is a universe that operates or another dimension that operates on a different time scale than the one that Omni-Man and Mark and the rest of our heroes operate on. And so there is going to be a point in which 
these this dimension comes into play for some, uh, I think, aging or training. And for fans of uh, shows like Dragon Ball Z, like those are going to be, it's going to be like a hyperbolic time chamber moment. And so just when you watch uh, episode or season two or season three, come back to me, let me know, and uh, let me know how right I was about that hyperbolic time chamber. Uh, but that that's all I have to say about this episode. Still a great series. I, uh, gosh, I wish there was more of it out. I wish there were, were 20 episodes in a season. But then the budget in some of the weaker areas would be weaker yet, I, I think. Uh, you can get a hold of us here on the Culture Jacked team on Facebook or Twitter at Culture Jacked. You can send us an email at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. But other than that, leave us a review. It would help us out dramatically. And make sure you tune in to our other shows, and we'll see you on the next episode.